Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. In a game that screamed trap game, Auburn said, no, no, no. And they just absolutely took it to Vanderbilt. I'm Zach Blackerby. He's Daryl Dapper. This is a live edition of Locked on Auburn. Daryl, uh, the Tigers take down the Commodores 80 to 65 in a game where, okay, Vandy led, I believe it was 16 to 14. And after that, it was all Auburn. Yeah, I think that sometimes I'm a fatalist when it comes to sports, especially like history matters. And I just did not feel good about this game. I could just tell sure. you now, I felt like, you know, Auburn, look, it is very hard to come play at a high level and play really good basketball game in, game out. Football, you play 12 games, basketball so long. It's hard to do that over the course of the season. You're going to have clunkers. And this screamed like Auburn was going to have a clunker. And the fact that it's in Vander at in Nashville where Auburn struggled, it worried me. I just yeah. it felt like a trap game. Ole Miss coming in Saturday. Again, even elite basketball teams are going to lose three games in a year, right? Or four. It's just too hard. There's too many games. This seemed like the time that there could be a little letdown. The 7-0 start, I think, took that right out of the minds yeah, of good Auburn. Point. I, I think that just kind of settled them in. And then the rest of the game, Zach, this was so weird watching this game. Auburn played, I'm not going to say like, you know, going through the motions. They just played really chill basketball, really kind of at a at an even pace and tempo, kind of business-like, and wins by 15 on the road in a place that they struggle. And I'll talk more later why I think it was even that close. That's something I'm really frustrated about that yeah. needs to change. But, okay, um, you know, I just think that this is the mark of a really good basketball team when you can come out and not play with a high level of emotion kind of come out and just play, you know, we're here, we're going to take care of business, we're chill, and then you 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 play that way. It, it, and you you win by 15 on in a, in a place that's a haunted house for you in years past. So, man, I tell you what, 15 and 2, and I will say this team, scary, really, really can do some special things. Yeah, because it's not like they're getting red hot and they can't miss. It's just solid, fundamental basketball and it's not just from your top two or three players it's from the whole team and you've got got like KD didn't have a good offensive night tonight but you still see him putting effort in it on the defensive side of everything and and you know setting screens and moving around off ball and all of that and it's like okay well even when guys are having off nights shooting and off nights scoring they're finding other ways to contribute because they know if they do not go a hundred percent they're going to get pulled and they're going to lose minutes. And I think it's a very healthy blend of competition this far into the season. And it's just kind of breeding some, um, some really good, really good basketball, but Jalen Williams, Daryl mm -hmm. seven for seven from the floor for 21 points. He made all five of his free throw attempts as well. Just another, I mean, this guy is going to, we're going to look up at the end of the year and he's going to be the SEC player of the year when it's all said and done. I mean, what he's done so far this season is incredible. 
What he did tonight is historic, and I'll tell you why. I, I've been watching basketball for a very long time, and it is very difficult to have a perfect night, a clean sheet, so to speak. He did that earlier in the year, and what I mean by that is he made all his – he was perfect from the field, perfect from the line. To do that once is very difficult. That joker just did it twice in the same yeah. year. I mean, we're, we, we need to realize and wake up and appreciate how special – that is to, to, to witness that. I mean, I remember when Christian Leitner did it, everyone made such a big deal about it in ESPN. Well, he's just done it and he's done it again. <laughs> I mean, you, you, it, it, that's just, I can't state enough how special that is and how historic that is. And, and I think on a night where maybe four did where the depth wasn't there. I mean, where you get like five, six guys scoring in double figures, you only get like three or four Holloway, Dylan Cardwell, Jalen Williams, and Broom led the way. Didn't get much yeah. from Chad Baker Mazzara, as you mentioned. Didn't get much from Katie Johnson. But Jay and Denver Jones hit one three. Jalen Williams got it going. Just said, okay, I'm gonna get 17 first half points. Come come get on my back. And then the rest of them just followed suit. Broom only had four points at halftime. Right. So what Jay Will does is enables – it's a luxury that he can carry you for a little bit until Broom gets going. And, again, I'll say it and say it and say it. That front court is elite mm -hmm. with those two. Special. It is. And you've said it before. You know, that, that combination, that four and five combination could be the best in the SEC. It's proving it. Mm -hmm. It's proving it. Even on, you know, where they kind of have an off night. Like, Janai was six of 12. Um. I don't like that he took two threes. That seems to be a normal thing. I'm not a huge fan of that, but whatever. But still, like, finds a way to score 15, and, you know, you hope he's okay. He went down grabbing his knee towards the end. He seems fine. I'm sure we'll get an update on that shortly after we're done being live. But, yeah, dude, I'm with you. You called that shot early. Auburn having the best combo, you know, four or five combo in the conference, and they're living up to it. You know, and you've got some components there. Aiden Holloway as a freshman point guard shows flashes where he he looks as to be one of the better distributors, assist to turnover ratio dudes yeah. in the league. I mean, there's a, there's an argument to be made at some points during the year. Chad Baker Mazzara could be a sixth man of the year guy, the way he comes in and play. There's all these different components. At the end of the day, what they what what makes that important is there is a variety of ways to beat you. Mm -hmm. On any given night, Auburn can find a different formula, an elixir, to say, okay, this is what it's going to take to win. But the one constant through all this year is the way they guard and the way they defend. And that is something that is just about effort. You know, shots may fall, shots may not fall. Rebounding may be there against certain teams. Sometimes it might. But you can guard and you can defend night in, night out if you're willing to put that kind of effort out, put that kind of effort. And especially on the road, Auburn does not let up the way they defend you. And I think that that is going to carry them in a game where maybe offensively they're a little sluggish. Mm. And it leads to transition baskets too. I give Vanderbilt credit early in the game when they took that 16, 14 lead, they were doing so well on switches. Their yeah. guards look so quick denying they were jumping passes in the lane and they were denying angles and stuff. And then Auburn figured it out. They just started right. back cutting and it was beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be so easy to say, oh, well, it's just Vanderbilt, who's now 0-4 in conference play. They've won five games all season. But let's just think about the fact of how hard it is, one, just to win games in this conference. You ask any coach in the SEC, they will tell you how difficult it is to win games. And Auburn is now 2-0 and on the road in conference play. They started things off in Fayetteville and absolutely decimated Arkansas. And the score doesn't show how dominant this win was tonight, but it's very clear Auburn was 20 points better or so than Vanderbilt. And I, I got a feeling when we move into the thing that bugs you late in the game, I, I think I know where you're going with this. And I think a lot of the live chat is going to be very eager to agree with you. But just let's just appreciate the fact that Auburn has really taken care of business in their two road conference games so far early into conference play. I mean, that's a big deal that I don't think a lot of people are going to really focus on when they think about this game. I'll give you a template and a formula that's kind of fun that's that's that stood the test of time. I remember when I was in high school and I fell in love with the game. I, I was that was a watch, long time ago. Was it was a very ago. long time ago. I would watch, you know, college basketball a ton. And th there was a, a color analyst named Al McGuire who was a, a former coach. And he made this statement, and I have watched this come true year in, year out. He said, when you play in conference, every road game you win give you a plus two. Every game you win at home, plus one. If you lose at home, minus two. And if you lose on the road, minus one. Add all that up at the end of the year, cumulatively. And he said the winner, the team with the best plus minus, based upon that formula, will always be your league champion. That's how much winning on the road counts. Twice it, as much. And, 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 that's how, and that's how losing at home counts and it's 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 weird how you would think well that's not that that complicated it's not but i've done that before because i'm kind of an analytic stat nerd when it comes to basketball and it is so true the yeah. teams that win can win i would say you know like 60 percent of their games on the road you do that in this conference and hold court at home you're winning the league man and auburn's two and oh right now yeah yeah Levi in the live chat is saying it's the only the third win at Memorial in program history. Well, I will say this: I know it's the I know that the the nineteen ninety nine two thousand Auburn team with Chris Porter, uh, not the one that was a, a number one seed, but the the team after that the next year won and broke a spell, broke a long, long, long streak. And then I remember an Auburn team under Bruce Pearl winning one, I think. And those are the only two that I can recollect that's happened in the last 20 years. Now, you know, it, I may be wrong, but that I can remember, I remember that 2000 team, and then I remember a team, ah, that Bruce Pearl, but you may have it in front of you. Yeah, yeah, Justin Ferguson tweeting out, after losing nine straight games in Memorial Gymnasium as a program, Auburn has won for the third time in four road games against Vanderbilt. See? And, and yeah, nailed it. And one of them was 2000 because I remember um that game, but it's not that's why I said it's a haunted house for Auburn. Yeah. It's just hard to win there. Yeah, Justin Hokinson adding this is only the fourth time in the last 14 games inside Memorial that Auburn will top the 40 point mark. Scoring at Vanderbilt hasn't come easy. The first time hitting 80 at Vandy since February of 2000. That was when they won with Chris Porter yep. and Scotty Paul. Yeah. So that's a big thing. Uh, that, that's, that's a that smirk. Shows, 
you're a little, you're like, yeah, I got that. Well, I had that. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're rain, man, you come up with stuff like that every once in a wow. while. <laughs> That's wow. yeah. I, I mean, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast, but I can remember that. So that's why, and and again, this isn't probably historically bad Vanderbilt teams, but I'm just going to say this. There were some teams in that stretch that sucked too, and Auburn lost. Now, of course, those Auburn teams, especially if Tony Barbie was coaching, you know, it's all relatives, but like guys like Kevin Stallings had Auburn's number. It was just, it was just, just again, a house of horrors. And, and, uh, for Auburn to kind of play at a just kind of a average pace, and you know, I, I'm not going to say go through the motions, but you know what I mean, and, and still win by 15 at that place, um, it's it bodes. And, and again, here's the thing: without the ref show that took place in the second half, Auburn wins tw- by 25. And, and again, they called so many fouls. I mean, I think combined it was like you know. 40 something fouls for both teams, but Auburn was getting called when, right when they were ready. And, and I can say this and not sound like sour grapes because Auburn won big. Sure. So I can say it objectively. Every time Auburn looked like they were going to get up 23, 24, 25, whistle, there were anticipation calls too, which bothers me, where they think something's going to happen. So they blow the whistle and they said they can let it play out. It was a horribly officiated game. And, and you know, it was just the, they killed flow. They didn't let them play. Here's what here's what I think. A okay. lot of people come to Nashville to become stars. Those officials <laughs> felt like they were on Broadway <laughs> and that people came to see them. And newsflash, you ain't Taylor Swift, bro. No one yeah. came to see you. And it was just stop with the whistles. I mean, I, I and again, like, I, I was like, why did you watching? bring your guitar? Exactly. Am I watching a game in the Memorial Gymnasium or the Grand Old Opry? You're no one's there to see you. Oh, I love it. You know, it's just stop. And if that's what it was, it was like whistle after whistle and it it ticky tack stuff. I mean, we're you know, it, it was just the whole overall vibe of the officiating was poor. And it was like, hey, look at me, it's a ref show. I'm here mm-hmm. on Broadway under the big Nashville lights. Come see me, baby. And I it's just frustrating. Let the kids play. That game could have been over. We we could be doing this show a half hour ago. Yeah. If not for those clowns and the stripes that thought people paid good money and trekked through the snow to see them. So yeah, and it's I an eight just, o'clock tip. Like, come on. Like, there's no it, reason oh, to stretch this out. Oh, they stretched it out and it was whistle. I mean, I don't know. You might have it in front of you because you can pull it up. My guess was. There was over 40 fouls called total for the game. Do you have that stat? Because I'm really interested to know. I've got them split. So Auburn had 22 mm-hmm. and Vandy had 18. So 40, right at 40. I mean, can I do a little smirk again? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. So, so really a college basketball game at 8 o'clock at night, you're going to call 40 fouls? When one team's up 20, 22, most of the game, Get over ridiculous. Yourself. Yeah. And then that same crew, that Cat Anderson, that referee tonight, gave out four technicals in the game he called last night. So if you don't oh, think really? it's all, yes. So if you don't think it's all about him, when you tease something, you have that many technicals, you're, you know, you're about being noticed. And so I just, that crew was horrific. I mean, it wasn't Pat Adams. 
who never saw a TV monitor he didn't like, but still, it was just, it was brutal. I mean, I, I was reading on social media, diehard Auburn fans that were going, they're taking the joy away from this victory with the way, and it's true. It was like, good, come on. So I'm off my soapbox, terrible officiating. Even when your team wins 15, you could say it objectively. Just bad, man. Just bad. Yeah. All right. Uh, I've got an important question that I want to ask. Also, drop your player of the game in the live chat. Got to feel we're all going to say Jay will, but go ahead and drop that. And then I've got a question um, that I think you'll be passionate about because I'm somewhat passionate about it, too. I think it's ridiculous. Sure. So that's coming up. Uh, this live show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. Of course, college basketball lines are all throughout FanDuel, and you can bet on uh, money line, spreads, uh, player props. They've got a bunch of different things over there at FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guarantee when you place a $5 bet. So that's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Network. Yeah, Jalen Williams is the player of the game. Um, I've got I've got to say something real quick too because this is just doesn't happen that often. But okay, today when I was in my office, I'm going to give a shout out. But the guy that's our our bug guy, our exterminator, stuck his head in. Says he loves watching the show, which we appreciate that very very much. Loves yeah, the you, show. You shouted him out before, I think. I have, and he told me, "Hey, I know you guys do a player of the game, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be Jalen Williams. He's going off tonight. Oh. So I won't name the company." But shout out to you, my friend. You called it. Kudos to you. You nailed it. Can he can go. he be SEC player of the year? The way he's playing like this? Yes. If he sustains it, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think if he's, he's doing anything it. crazy where I, I don't I think he can sustain it. Cause I don't think he's doing anything that's like really out of his comfort zone. What he's doing is he's finishing. We've seen this Jay Will before have 14, 15 in the first half, and we're like, wow, he's arrived, and then not score the rest of the game yeah. and just disappear. This year, he's putting points up in the second half, too. He's finishing. He's be, he's more consistent, and, and, he's, and he's a closer. So because of that, now look, his stats are never going to be gaudy at the end of the year because of Broom and because of some of the other guys that take some, take some points and because of the depth. Right. I right. mean, Auburn's got so many, but I mean, from us, you know, the, the dude that played at Alabama refreshed my memory a couple years ago. That was a really good defender. That's in the NBA. Um, that was the glue guy for them. Uh, he only averaged like 14 points a game, but he was like a glue guy, really good defensively, really Tom solid. Sexton? No leader. He was a guy from like three years ago on that team leader. He's on the Pelicans now, I think, but any, someone in the chat will say it okay. when he left 
Alabama drop. That was the year that Jabari and them came the next year and they had a Herb? drop off. Herb Jones. Herb Jones. That's it. Yes. Okay. So he won, I think he won SEC player of the year and he didn't have gaudy statistics. Jalen Williams, and Jalen Williams is reminding me, except he's, he's more dynamic offensively sure. than Herb Jones was that kind of year consistent. He may end up with averaging what 14, 15, a game, five or six rebounds, but he's so steady and consistent and so dynamic. I mean, he can dunk on you and he can hit the three. He can teardrop you and he can spin move you. It's it's beautiful. He's got such a, a variety of, of weapons that he can use. He's very multidimensional when it comes to scoring the basketball. Mm-hmm. And he also defends like his hair's on fire. He'll block your shot. He'll rebound. He continues to play at this level and this steady. He could be that dude at the end of the year. I don't even want to ask because when you laugh and can't tell me, I know because see, I can't see the chat anymore. So I just, uh, yeah, yeah, we need to fix that so you can't see the chat. Jesse, yeah. Jesse got me on that one. Uh, um, as far as yeah, his like his season averages are like eleven point nine points a game, sixty two percent shooting five rebounds two assists you know so like th- that scoring's got to go up yeah he's got to get to i think 15 points a game to be considered i mean right now it's at 12 i round up but it's 11.9 he's got to get to about 15 a game if he does that yeah i, I think, think i think it happens i then. think he's in the conversation and it's a team award too right like if auburn does, like only loses one or two conference games it certainly helps too so which could happen we'll see yeah we'll see okay this bothered me. Live chat, I want your opinion on this too. One of the, I mean, if you had to like classify, like if you had to define, okay, which scoring moment for Auburn was the dagger, I think it's when Dylan did that putback score. But them calling it like the debate on if it was a dunk or not was one of the dumbest things I've heard a TV broadcast do. They're like, yeah, let's, yeah, leave it up to you. Is it a dunk or not? I was like, no, it's not a dunk. What do you? It's mean? not, but it was such a dynamic, sure, acrobatic offensive play that it didn't matter if it was a dunk. He still took that dude's soul. Yeah, but don't. And he went over it, the top of. But don't debate if it's a dunk or not. Talk about right. how great the moment was. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it was not a dunk, and it shouldn't have been even considered a dunk. It was just an acrobatic, phenomenal offensive putback play that he did go over the top of somebody to do that. And, and you're right. It injected. It was a, it was a momentum changer. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, th- sometimes at that point in the game, the crowd was dead. The crowd was dead. It was, right. it was, it was like a mausoleum in there. Auburn was on cruise control. There was, they even talked about how slow the game got. They needed something to talk about. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I'm sure it's tough broadcasting games like that, but that's just enjoy the moment. Like, man, Dylan, right. what a story. What a story. Yeah. Not just, is this a dunk or not? Come on. You know it's not. You know it's not. All right, let's do uh, let's do our favorite game, live chat. What is Auburn's record over the next five contests? They host Ole Miss this weekend. They go to Alabama next Wednesday. They go to Mississippi State next Saturday, which I think is a, I think that's, Next week's going to be tricky. Next week's going to be very telling. Going to Tuscaloosa and to Starkville. They host Vanderbilt on the 31st, and then they go to Ole Miss uh, the following Saturday, February 3rd. So 
Next five games. What is the right? We've been saying four and one. Well, and that's the thing is we now are at that apex where the game five is Saturday. So at the worst, we can be right and say four and one, right? I mean, I said four and one, you said four and one. So if Auburn loses Saturday, which I don't think they are, we'll be right. I think we're going to be wrong. And I think the people that said five and oh in this stretch are going to be right because we've come to our first five game stretch. I'm sticking with the four and one train. I think so too. Going to Tuscaloosa, then to Starkville, which I normally call it something else, but I don't want to get in trouble. Um, I think that's a, that, that's a tough back-to-back road strip. Road trip. Yeah, and in I that think. and in that five-game um, stretch, you've got to go to Oxford too, which I think is going to be tough to to win there. We'll see. What do you think of them losing to LSU tonight? Well, that makes the Auburn win Saturday look that much better, to be honest with you. And it also tells me you can, it's very tough to win on the road. I mean, LSU was at home, and Ole Miss fell behind pretty big and got it back to within five, I think, maybe six. But it's so difficult to win on the road. That LSU team that Auburn beat 15 just beat Ole Miss, who was ranked. That's a, that's a good win now for Auburn, an even better win. So it doesn't surprise me. I think I think that uh, LSU's coach is very very good. He's he's an up and comer. Sure. Uh, he I think he's a good coach, and I think he had them ready to play. And again, it's just a different animal when you're playing at home. Do you think? Uh, do you think any of Auburn's players gets? get uh, pushed by any particular coaches when they go to Tuscaloosa next week? If that happens, and if it's the wrong, if it's the wrong dude, or I would say the right dude, if you're Auburn, it could be ugly if you put your hands on Katie Johnson, Chad Baker-Mazzara, or Dylan Cardwell, you're going to draw back a nub. It's just not, you just, you know, now, now again, don't go in the other team's huddle too. That was stupid. But you don't. You can't you push get a the, dude. You, you get the official over there. No, you can't. You can't. And, you know, it, again, he keeps – he's not doing any favors with his perception and his reputation based oh, he upon how he handled that. it. He's invincible. He, Last yeah. year showed that he's invincible. Yeah, so, I mean – Who would be yep. the worst player for him to push? KD. Worse than Chad Baker-Mazzara? I think so. I think KD okay. – I think Chad Baker-Mazzara is probably a little bit scrappier, but I think KD is one of those guys you don't want to fight. You know, he's just got that crazy eye. I, I mean, it would you. just – yeah, I mean, you don't. And then Cardwell would just is so big and massive that he'd just pound on your head like an anvil. So yeah, yeah that's you got to pick your spot on that. That's not very smart. But here, here's what I I'll just say this real quick too, from a basketball standpoint. I'm very disappointed in Gates, Missouri's coach. You don't let somebody touch one of your players and stay over on the sideline and not engage. You don't do that. You need to be over there immediately in Oates' face letting him know it's about to go down. You're not going to touch one of my players because players remember that you didn't stick up for them. And then in the handshake line, then to brush him off and shrug him off. I mean, that that's hold me back energy, right? Hold me back, bro. Energy right there. I mean, when you had the chance to engage, engage, your player just got pushed and he yeah. did nothing. He did nothing. He stood on the sidelines. That's yeah, I, I guarantee you uh, Bruce Pearl would not have acted no, that way. Stephen Pearl would have been over there. It would have been Stephen in a heartbeat. Yeah, Stephen Pearl, what, it would have taken 2.3 seconds, and it would have been on. So, you know, you got to do that. you got to stand up for your players, right, wrong, or indifferent. You can't allow another coach to put his hands on your players. You cannot. Yeah. 
do that. Yeah. It's, it's a violation. I'm with you. All right, Ole Miss losing to LSU tonight. Does that change how you feel about Ole Miss coming to Auburn on Saturday? I, I don't think it does, but, you know, some folks kind of approach that as a, well, they're, they're going to be more fired up and feel like they need to win more this weekend. Where are you with this? Yeah, there might be a little bit of an uh, urgency, uh, a tick up of a, an uptick of urgency, but I felt all along that Auburn was going to win this game double digits at home. Uh, Ole Miss, good basketball team, but not at the level that I think Auburn is. And I think Auburn at Neville with waiting in the wings for Flanagan and that whole thing that's going on. And, you know, people talked about in the last postcast about how Alan Flanagan triggers us and all that. Listen, let me just go ahead and clarify that. Has nothing to do with that. You'd have to be stupid not to think that a guy that played somewhere else, that there isn't a little bit of an extra oomph when he comes back to his home arena and plays, and especially with some of the things that went on behind the scenes with chemistry issues with Flanagan, okay? So him coming to Auburn is a storyline, period. It is. He played there last year or played for Auburn for three years. I think he's going to be a little tight. I do. I think he's going to want to put on a show in front of the Neville Arena crowd, and I think uh, you know, it's. I think Auburn's going to do a really good job containing him, and I think Auburn will win that game uh, double digits. Now, will will Ole Miss come out with a little bit more sense of urgency because they lost LSU? Perhaps. I still think that they had this one circled. Um, and the fact that Auburn is a top 13 team in the country just makes it a little bit more uh, yeah. emotional for them. Yeah, I think so. Because this is an Ole Miss team that has been told, oh, y'all aren't actually good despite them winning over and over and over again. And that could be a rallying cry within a locker room as far as, okay, here's our chance. Here's our chance, especially after losing to LSU. So yeah, that, that's where that number next to your name, and it took Auburn longer than it should have for them to be ranked. And I, I think they're I think they're better than the 13th-ranked team in college basketball. But you know that when you have a number next to your name, it creates a target. So Auburn will have the opportunity to knock Ole Miss out of the top 25. They're 22nd right now. They lost to LSU, and so... Um, Ole Miss is going to try to stay ranked. And in order for them to do that, they've got to win on Saturday. So I think Auburn wins against Ole Miss um, as well. So I think that place is going to be, it's going to be crazy Saturday. It's going to be yeah. crazy. It's going to be crazy. Absolutely. Um, Eddie dropping a Bruce Pearl quote in here says, I, Pearl said, uh, quote, I would like our students and the jungle to remember that Allen graduated from Auburn and is an Auburn man. I hope they welcome him accordingly. I think Auburn fans will cheer for him before the game, and then I think they will treat him like the opposing team during it. That's just my guess, and that's probably the right way to do it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that the emotion is supposed to be bad. I'm not saying boo Allen Flanagan. I'm not saying heckle him at all. I'm just saying realistically there is some emotion there when you play at a particular school for three years and you're coming back. It's just normal. Um, no one's saying he's going to be the villain. I just think that all eyes are going to be on him, and it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that pressure. Right. Right. Oh, well, this was a fun one. Auburn takes down Vanderbilt 80 to 65. Daryl, you are on the show tomorrow. We talk about Antonio Kite. We talk about Derek Nix being official and also locked on Ole Miss host uh, Stephen Willis joins the show 
in the in the third segment there. So be sure to tune in to that. And of course, Daryl, you'll be on Fridays locked on Auburn, as well as uh, you and I going live after Auburn and Ole Miss this Saturday. How can people check out everything else that you've got going on? Just follow me on X DAP sixty four ten. Love the engagement, good interactions, a lot to talk about. So it's been a lot of fun. Yep, yep. Please like this video. Please subscribe to the channel means a ton. You can find all my written work at auburndaily.com and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn.